Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today we have a special guest on. We have Dave Zook and Dave Zook is a successful business owner and an experienced real estate investor active in multifamily apartments, self-storage, and the ATM space. We brought on Dave to discuss how you can actually minimize tax and increase your income with real estate investing. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, so just to kind of get started, you know, give the listeners a little background about yourself, how you got into this search of utilizing real estate to both minimize taxes as well as uh, increase income. Yeah, so I I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My dad was a very successful business owner, but he was uh, conventional in his approach to uh, tax and building wealth, and and so you know I. I, I saw him um, take the profits from his business and buy real estate, farms, land, single family homes. I saw him self-manage some of those single family homes. And I just decided in my teenage years that I was never going to be a real estate investor. Well, I got into my late teens, early 20s, started investing in uh, businesses and went down that path instead of investing in real estate. I, st- I started building some businesses and, and really that took all of my cash, my time, energy, effort, and uh, really started focusing on that. Had no understanding of how to, you know, beyond the, the, the typical, you know, buy a piece of equipment and use the depreciation offsets some income, whatever. I had no understanding how you could go, you know, above and beyond that and get even more uh, creative. But got myself in a position where some of those businesses started doing really well. And more than a decade ago, I get this call from my CPA on April the 13th, um, two days before tax time and time to cut the check. Uh, they said, you know, we did everything we could do. We took you all your depreciation. We know you made your quarterly tax payments, uh, but you still owe uh, $373,422 and some change. And, uh, you know, get ready to cut the check. And so, you know, at that time, I, I was having a lot of fun. I was running a couple of the businesses, working all hours a day and some of the night, but it didn't feel like work. It was it was a lot of fun. And and so, you know, but at that point, when I got that call and I realized that, you know, my, you know, blood, sweat and tears and, and, and all that and the pain, some of the pain that you go through running businesses and putting up with, you know, some stuff, um, you know, it, it just wasn't so much fun anymore when I had to give half my money back to the government. So I went down this path and I decided that. I had to figure out how to crack the code. And, and I figured my my easiest or my shortest way to get there was get around people who've done it. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then about everything else Robert Kiyosaki wrote. And I you know, kept hearing him talk about how you could make millions of dollars a year and pay no tax. I was always taught you had to, you know, if you make a lot of money, you got to pay a lot of tax. So I went down that rabbit hole, got around Robert Kiyosaki, his team, his tax team, even to this day. Uh, ProVision, you know, who was his uh, CPA firm, uh, you know, the CPA firm that that worked with him and his tax liability is my CPA firm. 
And um, so, you know, just got down, went down that path, realized that real estate, specifically multifamily apartments, if you, you know, get creative, use cost seg studies and leverage and, and all that, you can, you can really start managing your tax liability. And so that I really got my start in real estate from that perspective, uh, more from a tax uh, protection vehicle than anything else. But I always tell people when they ask me how I got into real estate, I was, I was forced into real estate. I had a, I had a tax problem. <laughs> Makes sense. And it's funny how you still remember the exact number that your CPA called you as, as the amount that you had to pay to this day. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I know the exact spot where I was standing when I got that call. I can imagine. So, so with that being said, you know, what type of different asset classes do you typically work in nowadays? After you've kind of experienced that, you've gotten into real estate mostly focusing on, you know, how do you leverage real estate to not only gain wealth, but, but also attack some of those tax problems that folks have. What type of asset classes are you working in now? So several different, we have our, I, you know, I've got my core asset classes. One of the one of the things I, I, one of the asset classes I love, and I've been investing in for, you know, more than a decade now, uh, is ATMs, ATM machines. We're one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and you know, when you look at that, it's a heavy cash flow um, generating asset. But on, you know, from a tax planning perspective, you get a hundred percent bonus depreciation the year that you make an investment. So, so get this. So I'm coming down toward the end of the year and I realize that I still got, you know, some, some tax liability hanging over me. So I can admit, I can make an investment in December of 2021 and I can use every dollar that I invest in that ATM fund. I can use to offset my tax liability. And so that becomes a real tax plan. So I mean, forget the fact that you've got, you know, seven years of, of very strong cash flow, you know, to right on the front end, you get 100% bonus depreciation that helps offset the tax liability on your income. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you're into ATM machines as a, as a, as a strategy. Any other kind of asset classes that you're working with? Or is that kind of the main one that you focus on? So that that is definitely one of our core asset classes. We're big into self-storage. Uh, we buy a lot of self-storage facilities. We buy self-storage facilities from mom and pop operators. And, you know, and I, and I, you know, to be clear, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that you can make money in self-storage. I love the, I love the asset class, but our business model is we'll buy a mom and pop operated facility. And many times it's their only facility. And so we'll buy that. Um, let's say it's in a, in a market that we really like that shows, you know, that's shown a lot of, you know, growth potential and growth in the future. And there's something, you know, of course we, we got our metrics, all, all kinds of stuff that we look at, but then we'll, we'll, we'll buy a stabilized mom and pop operated facility. And then we'll oftentimes we're, it, it's a heavy value add. Oftentimes we're going in there and we're, you know, adding square footage. We're putting in, you know, extra climate controlled units and we're bringing in our prof, uh, professional management team and we're really infusing some cash into the property and bringing it to the point where it now becomes a uh, an institutional target. Let's say you're a mom and pop operator facility, you're running a, an operation, let's say it's 50 to 60,000 square feet 
And then we come in and add another 20 or 30,000 square feet to it and really bring that NOI up to the point where, you know, we can then roll it over to a REIT and a REIT or an institution right now, their appetite for stabilized self-storage is, is incredible. And so we've sort of played right into that and we, and, and we're almost like the uh, middleman between the mom and pop and the institution, because the institution has no interest in that mom and pop operated asset. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they want something that's bigger, that's, that's managed a little better. That's, you know, the, the, the numbers support them coming in and doing the deal. So we're almost like the intermediary between the mom and pop and the institution. And we get that asset ready to sell to an institution. And we just, we just recently uh, closed a 26 property portfolio, sold it to REIT uh, for $450 million. That was a big deal. And, uh, our LP investors um, got right around an average 30% annualized return with uh, an approximate three-ish year hold. So that was a big deal for us that we just closed uh, a couple months ago in November. And um, so right now we, we've got Fund 3 open and we're doing the same business model and we're, we're adding assets to that fund right now. Um, as, as far as from a tax perspective, for me, I'm always looking at, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of selfish, uh, but really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for vehicles for myself. And so it starts with me and what do I need? What, number one, what asset class do I really like? And then, of course, if I like an asset class, now I got to go find a team that's world class. And so once I get those two things to fit, normally what I'll do is I'll invest with that team for a couple of years. And, and when I get really comfortable with that team, then I'll turn around and, and you know, after investing with them for a couple of years, I turn around and, and, and bring that to my to my investors. And, and lately it's been it's been uh, energy. And, you know, don't know if you understand well, I'm sure you understand this part, you know, being a CPA, how, you know, many of, of the uh, or several of the asset classes that you can use to offset the tax liability on your ordinary income, W-2, you know, business income, any income, oftentimes that has to do with some type of an energy investment. And so, you know, there's I've been an oil and gas investor since 2011. And there's a lot of oil and gas companies that I would not invest with. Today, I'm down to one. And, you know, I chose that one due to a lot of experience in the space, doing, doing business with people that I've not had a great experience with. And now getting to the point where, you know, after investing with this family for, you know, about four years, about four years, uh, now I finally put a fund together at the end of last year and rolled it out to my investors. And, and I'm really excited about that. But no, that, that that is an asset class that will offset the tax liability on ordinary income. And, and we use that. Yeah, you know, I use it for myself and, and and our investors use it. Yeah, no, that brings up a good point. So when we're looking at, you know, explain to the, the audience a little bit how that would how that works. So like with the ATMs, a lot of people think I'm, I'm investing in real estate or something like that. And so there's no way, no possible way that I would ever be able to offset my ordinary income because I'm a business owner. I don't have any rental properties or anything like that. So traditionally, the thought is if I invest in real estate or, or items like that, that if there's a loss or there's a big depreciation hit, um, I can't take it because I don't have any capital gains or anything else to offset that with. So explain to our audience a little bit how some of these different asset classes, how does that work? How can they still take advantage of those items? 
Yep. So it's a, so it's a it's a it's sort of like putting a puzzle together. And I and I always I always uh, liken it to having like a couple different buckets of income. Let's say you got let's say you got ordinary income from your job or your business, and then you've got let's say portfolio income from from a you know from from a Wall Street product. Um, and then you've got your passive income from, let's say, rental real estate or something like that. So really, you know, uh, once you start building up those different uh, buckets of income, now you got to make different decisions to offset those different kinds of income streams. Okay, so you got an income stream from your from your W two job or your business. You got. You know, you got some stuff going on and say an investment inside of a, um, a tax deferred product or inside of a Wall Street product, uh, or, or let's say you have passive income. You know, those those all get taxed differently and not ne- not necessarily always even at a different rate sometimes, but more like what kind of asset does it take to offset the tax liability on that investment vehicle or that income stream? And so. Once you sort of break that down, and, and, and I do a lot of this, like I'll, I'll sit with somebody and sort of, you know, give them advice on what I would do, you know, if I was in their shoes and and not really investment advice, but more strategic stuff. Like, I don't want to look through an investor's, you know, tax returns and, and, and do that. But what I do is sort of get the two minute overview. I was like, okay, you make whatever, 200 grand a year or 500 grand a year, 800 grand a year, whatever. I just sat with, with a guy you know, yesterday, makes about 800 grand a year. And, and about half of it is from his um, uh, practice. And the other half of it is now from his passive income sources. So now, so, so really it's, it's, it's your listener's job to figure out, okay, who am I? I make 200 grand in my job. I make 150 grand in my Passive income column, break those two apart and then figure out, okay, how can I protect myself on the passive side, making sure that all of that income is tax free. Very easy to do, by the way. Um, And then how can I make sure that my income stream on the ordinary or active side is also protected? Much harder to do, as you well know, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, just to make sure that you break those up. those two down and then figure out, okay, what tax bracket am I in? I'm making whatever, 300 grand on my ordinary income side. I'm in, you know, whatever, 25, 30%, 35%, 33% tax bracket, whatever the number is, and figure out how do I get myself down to, you know, 15%, 10%, 5%, or maybe even zero. And, you know, what what does that look like and how can I get there? So, you know, just being aware of where you are in those different buckets and then, you know, searching for options, you know, many people don't even realize, okay, well, there's a difference there. Well, okay. Well, how does that get treated? How does this get treated? Just being aware and knowing that there's options to offset tax liability on, on any income stream, you know, conventional wisdom will tell you that if you make a lot of money, you got to pay a lot of tax. I got this quote that I trademarked. Uh, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy, pick one. You know, I mean, you, 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 you know, conventional wisdom is not going to get you to, to where you want to go. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's such a big point. It's it's something that we talk about so much on our, on our various podcasts, our tax minimization program is uh, the people just aren't aware of the options, the possibilities and the things that are available out there to them just because they hear from you make money, you have to pay taxes on it. And, and they're not a bit, they, they don't understand or they think that they're too small sometimes for uh, some of these tax strategies that are out there. And, you know, we see what I would consider a, a, a decent size, good business owner come to me thinking that they're too small. You know, they're, they're not a multimillionaire. So these strategies aren't available to them. And that's just kind of what we're trying to get past that and, and encourage people. There is potential options out there. Well, if you, if, you, if you look at Mike, if you look at, you know, many times when people look at investment, they're looking at, okay, you know, what kind of cash on cash return can I make from that investment? An 8% preferred return or 10% return or whatever that looks like. But the, the question they often forget to ask is, what would this look like if I could knock down my tax liability on my ordinary income and get myself from 37% down to, you know, 10% or 5% or zero? Yeah. I mean, that's oftentimes you're, you know, if you, if you're strategic and you use bonus depreciation or cost seg or, you know, all the vehicles that are available to you, your biggest return on your investment might be your tax savings in that first year. If you get real, if you get real strategic. Yeah. And, and the beauty about that is your ROI on that investment is is immediately. It's within that sure. first year. You're, you're, you're saving the taxes immediately. You know, I'll, I'll often give the analogy like uh, let, let's say you're swimming. Let's say you're you're in the river and, and not even a river that's got a swift current, but there's a current. And, and, and let's say when, when you're out there, you're making money and you've got your tax liability under control and it's well managed. You're swimming with the current. You're, you're cruising down through, yeah, you're paddling along, you're doing your thing, but you're swimming with the current. You're not fighting the current. If you're not paying attention and you're paying, and you know, you're, you're a high income earner and you're paying tax, you're swimming and, and you don't manage that tax liability. You're swimming against the current. You're swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with a lot of our listeners being small business owners and, and having most of their income potentially be in that ordinary space, what type of asset class would you traditionally in kind of the work that you do, at least for minimizing that tax piece, uh, would you kind of gear them towards? So there's a couple. Um, we have a project going on down in down in Texas that um, it's a uh, carbon project. Basically, what happens is the we, we use coal. Uh, we, re, we, we run coal through a distillation process and we cr- uh, create or produce a pharmaceutical grade oil, uh, very high margin oil. It's not the kind of, you know, crude where you get, you know, $80 a barrel. This is more like $180 a barrel. Um, that's one 100% bonus depreciation. We specifically designed that to, to help protect our uh, high income earners, let's say doctors, attorneys, uh, CPAs, um, kind of high paid professionals. Um, again, those, those people have very limited options to help offset tax liability on that kind of income. Um, I'm a big natural gas investor. Uh, I got to, I, I got uh, involved uh, with a family, um, been investing with them personally for the last four years. Uh, I believe in the longer term natural gas story. Um, you know, I see what's happening at the at the ports. I see them ramping up 
um, uh, export their export facilities. And, and, you know, when I see what's going on in Europe and Asia and China and the, and the premium that they're paying for natural gas, I mean, when we, our, our business model, if we hit $3 gas, we're making a really good margin with a very quick return of our principal plus a, a, a life, uh, you know, a, a uh, cash flow stream that, that lasts for 30 to 50 years. Um, but, you know, just, just seeing um, what's going on overseas, seeing the billions of dollars that are being pumped into the uh, domestic ports, getting ready to ship overseas and seeing how that's ramping up. I've been a, I've been a natural gas. I've been following this story for the last couple of years, and it's why I started investing in natural gas. And so, you know, the first year or two being in that, you know, natural gas being in that dollar to two dollar range. I mean, that's, you know, it's tough to make money with dollar, dollar fifty gas. But now recently having hit five dollars the last couple of quarters, being up in that four dollar, five dollar range, um, we're making a lot of money in, in natural gas. And I believe that it has a, um, a very long term uh, upside. And um, so, yeah, I, I love natural gas. I love the the fact that I can use a natural gas investment. I've, I've invested seven figures in the natural gas this year or last year. Um, just being able to use that tax deduction offset my ordinary income. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing mm-hmm. those two projects primarily is getting me to the point where I'm uh, living tax efficiently or tax free. Makes sense. And when we look at your the ATM funds or self-storage or apartment units and things like that, most of the time, if we're looking at a tax play for some of those things, we're looking at attacking more of that passive uh, income. Yeah. And, and, and the first thing, you know, I never go to I never I never get into an investment where it's it's, you know, all about tax. I mean, you can go out and lose 100 percent of your money and, and you know, get 100 percent write off. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for number one. You got to you got to you got to be comfortable with the asset class first. You got to make sure that that asset class um, is sustainable, has, um, you know, has legs under it. You really like it. And then, and then find a team who's you know who mastered that space. I mean, I'm, we're we're investing with a natural gas with a family who's one of the lowest cost gas producers in the country, and you know there's a lot of reasons for that that you know we could get into. But it, you know, lowest lowest cost gas producer in the country, and so just being able to to find the right team to then carry you carry you through and kind of be the operator in that space. Um, you know, that's been key for me is not only finding the asset class, making sure you're comfortable with the asset class, but then right finding the right people, the right operator in that asset class. And that, that makes it because at the end of the day, this, this investment world, this is a people business, you know, you and I could, we could point to billionaires in the, energy space, let's say oil. Well, there's a lot of people that went broke in the oil space. And you can point to just about any space or sector and you could say, okay, the, this guy, the, this group over here, the, or this guy over here, he's, he's made billions in that space. Well, just to, you know, there's probably a bunch more who's lost all their money in that space. Mm-hmm. So finding the right people, the right operator, the right team to, to get behind or get around, uh, that's key. 
Yeah. And I think there's so much more, there's so much involved in this. When we're looking at investing, um, you obviously have the tax play, you have a return play and all those different things. And it's just important to do due diligence on all those different items. But I do want to stress something we talked about initially is, is just the idea of not, not taking the tax benefit of some of these investments just for granted and not taking that as something that that's part of the return on investment that when we're going into it. Now, a lot of people think that these types of investments getting into these things are, are just for millionaires. So give us kind of a, a little background of, of how your business works. You know, what what level of income do you have to have to get into this type of investment? What does that look like? Yeah, so we the deals that we do are only available to accredited investors, meaning you have to have an income of $200,000 per year for the last two years and expect to this year. Um, or you own a million dollars worth of assets, not considering your personal residence. So that's a start. If you can, if you can meet one of those, um, you you're probably eligible to invest in in most of our deals. Got it. And and just so everyone knows, we're going to have Dave out on the uh, tax minimization program. We're going to dive deeper into these various asset classes, kind of what the tax strategies look like. So if you're interested in checking out that 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 monthly group training that he did with us, go to taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash tax. Um, Dave, I, I just want to say like this has been super helpful. And I think it's just a little bit of an eye opener. Many people think that... Um, you know, saving taxes is just spending money, buying this piece of equipment that you don't need or going out and buying a new computer that you don't need. Um, or they think that some of these tax strategies are just for the the ultra wealthy and they're not big enough for it. So I think it was helpful to kind of walk through some of these potentials and hopefully just open up the open up the uh, mind of some of the listeners to just think about what is out there, what other possible options out there, just to kind of think about this tax savings a little bit deeper. Well, and I think it starts with awareness. You know, just just realizing and, and that's what it was for me, you know, hearing somebody tell me that you can make millions of dollars per year and pay no tax. I mean, I've, I've done that now for most of the last decade. You know, I, I, I entered the real estate space in the investment world kind of, you know, more than a decade ago. Actually, I was an investor since I was in my teens, but really got into it in a bigger, much bigger way, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And, you know. I entered this sort of world through that through that tax, um, you know, outside of business, um, getting into the investment world. I entered it through a tax protection vehicle. Back then, I was paying thirty-seven or whatever it was then thirty-nine. I was paying the highest tax rate. Um, since then, you know, since then, the last over the last decade, I think my highest tax bill was uh, I was in a 3% range. And the thing and the thing I want to make sure everybody knows we're not doing this. It's not because I made less money. I'm paid I'm making I'm making probably 5 to 10 times more money than I did back then. It's just being strategic on how I invest and 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 it's doing business differently and investing differently and, and just being really strategic about it. Uh, my good friend Tom Wheelwright says if you want to change your tax, you have to change your facts. And that's really what it is. I changed my, I changed the way I did business. I changed the way I invested and I changed my tax. You know, I went from being the highest tax back to the high in the highest tax bracket to now being in the low single digits from anywhere from zero to 3%. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that's important and, and you can help explain this too, is that, you know, this isn't just a, there is going to be some cost or some investment related to getting to that 0% or close to sure. zero as possible. I think so many people come to this idea of saying, well, I know millionaires pay $0 in taxes, so I can do it. And why you know, can't you just make something magical appear on my tax return that gets that to that point? But I love this idea. And it's just, it's almost like a mindset shift where we're thinking, okay, how can we lower taxes while also putting our money to work for us in a way that we maybe never have done, would have done something in, you know, maybe we're just a great doctor and we never would invest in, in real estate or get into real estate. But when you can kind of combine those two together and say, okay, I can invest, get a tax deduction as well as use that to even grow my wealth even further. That's where it creates that beauty. So I, I want to make sure that people don't understand that if you want to get to that, that, that lower tax rate, there is going to be some financial cost or investment up front to get to start uh, to kind of leapfrog that. Yeah. And I think, I think to your point, Mike, I think um, many people think that if they got a great, if they were, if if they would have a better CPA that, uh, you know, their, their tax problems would, would go away or get better. You know, I think the the biggest mistake many uh, people make, high paid professionals or, or even very successful business people that don't really understand, you know, the tax law or what's available to them is that they, they start their tax planning, you know, too late in the year, you know, they, 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 you know, all of a sudden, you know, fourth quarter, November, December is here. They, you know, the, uh, me, uh, it's Jan, we're in January. I'm tax planning right now. The investor, the investments that, that I'm making, all year, I entered that investment thinking, okay, what's this look like from a from a cash on cash return? What's this make look like from an IRR? How long's the the hold? How 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 long does it take that I get my principal back? But probably before I even go there, I'm thinking, what is this like? What does this look like from a tax perspective? Am I managing my tax liability? So that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Well, like I said, uh, we're going to be deep diving into this this whole idea with Dave a little bit deeper into our tax minimization program. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you are not a member yet, it's taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash tax. Dave, I just want to say thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for jumping on and kind of hopefully opening up that that can and opening up that that mind and mind shift change to our listeners of the possibilities that are out there. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks, Dave.